1: Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. This week, we are going to be rejoining one of our favorite guests, Ollie Swink from Sodak. Uh, Sodak are a really interesting company. They do custom engineering, but they also turn some of that custom engineering into products. Uh, they've got into a lot of uh, sustainable IoT products. Uh, we're going to be talking to them about a smart label that they've produced Uh, which is being used by a major drug company to transport things around the world. And um, it uses cellular networks and NB-IoT. So we're going to be asking, what is NB-IoT? And how do you make uh, something that is uh, the thickness of a few sheets of paper work on a cellular network and what the applications are? And I think we'll get some interesting insights. I know we're going to get some interesting insights from uh, from Ollie's uh, great uh, world traveler, uh, Globetrotter. He is calling us from Singapore. Enjoy. The Mr. Beacon Ambient IoT podcast is sponsored by Williot, bringing intelligence to every single thing. Wally, welcome back to the Mr. Beacon podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on again, second time.
0: Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Steve.
1: Well, I've always been drawn to you and your uh, company, Fodak, uh, because of the environmental uh, sustainability aspect to your mission. But you're also really geeky. Into the depths of creating radio devices, IoT devices, and I saw that you had a paper thin tag, um, which could be used for tracking things. Which is obviously, you know, that's that's the space that uh, that I work in on my for my day job. But your tag is different. Uh, it's it's a wide area tag. It uses. MBIOT so I want to talk to you about that. Maybe you can explain to us what IoT is, and, uh, and um, uh, we just want to check in with how how Sodak is doing, any interesting projects, and uh, what your perspective is on the industries that you you focus on. You've been into the pharmaceutical space, agrochemical, I guess, um, and uh, and others. Um, so you you. Talk to a lot of different companies, really get into the details, understand IoT. I thought it would be good to catch up. Sound okay? Perfect. So maybe for those people that haven't seen the first episode where I interviewed you, can you give us a quick summary of who uh, Sodak are? uh, Give us an intro to your company.
0: So Sodak is a company based out of the Netherlands. And for 10 years now, we just had our our 10-year anniversary uh, we've been developing hardware products for the internet of things. So our strength really lies in the hardware development, finding the latest technologies when it comes to how to, uh, print certain technologies or, or, um, <clears throat> make thinner or lower power devices that last longer in the field. And we do this for different industries. So, um, we develop, uh, tracking devices, we develop sensing devices and uh, we've done over 250 different custom hardware engineering projects. In the last five years we added a few products to that so we converted some of those developments into our own products that we also offer to the market um, with a service and those are all in the domain of tracking. So track and trace of things ranging from shipping containers to air freight containers, airport equipment, uh, seed bags, all the way down to uh, cardboard boxes. And so um, in that space, you need different form factors, different battery life, um, uh, different features. And so Sodac stands for solar powered data acquisition. So there's uh, uh, solar uh, is a core element in there. Um, And we have always built solutions with solar panels. Um, And so one of our, let's say, flagship products is a solar-powered tracking device um, that lasts for more than five years with just continuous updates of its location and and temperature and motion conditions. Um, But about uh, four years ago, we were approached uh, by one of the largest... uh, Agriculture and pharmaceutical companies in the world, uh, Bayer, to develop a uh, label that would autonomously send its location, temperature, and motion information, uh, but that wouldn't be so bulky as to uh, not be uh, uh, sticking out or protruding from from the surface of uh, of whatever it's tracking. So um, we set out to develop a label which, of course, you're very familiar with what uh, uh, labeling needs to to be like. Um, But uh, uh, for for them, it needed to connect directly to the the cellular network. So we needed quite a large battery. And uh, yeah, we we were fortunate enough that around the same time, printed batteries that could give uh, enough power to... Uh, uh, send a a signal through NB-IoT or uh, LTE-M would be possible. So NB-IoT and LTE-M are basically the the lowest uh, power-consuming technologies of uh, the uh, um, 4G, 5G kind of cellular GSM uh, spectrum. And so with with these beautiful type of thin batteries...
1: Wow, that is thin.
0: You can, uh, these are from two different suppliers, you can basically send a a cellular, yeah, 4G, 5G message, um, which is not our invention, but it's a, yeah, it's a fantastic uh, invention because it, yeah, it it previously wasn't possible to do that with anything that was thin, basically.
1: And what are these printed batteries made of? Because obviously there are all sorts of issues with sending batteries through the post. Yeah. Presumably the materials you're using uh, avoid those.
0: Yeah, so these batteries are based on zinc. And uh, um, one of the types is zinc in combination with carbon. The other one is zinc with manganese oxide. Um, these are all uh, um, safer than lithium for example. Um and, and so it's not possible to puncture them. It's not possible or you can cut through them basically without making them explode. Um, yes. They're not toxic, good, they're not, the not flammable. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and uh the manufacturers of these batteries even go as far as to say you could technically eat them like a vitamin, but All I right. wouldn't I wouldn't go that yeah. far myself.
1: No. Um so what are the roots that these packages so so what are these things going on what what is it that needs tracking like that
0: So one of my favorite uh examples is something we actually been uh been building in a bit more recent times um it's this one So this is a smaller version of the of the label It also has a similar printed battery inside it's a bit thicker because it's stacked
1: okay Mm -hmm.
0: and so um, these go inside medicine boxes so you have this medicine box and basically it goes in with the medicine Uh and um, then it's in the factory placed in the box of the medicine uh, so that the entire journey from production all the way to consumption the temperature is monitored and uh, actually the opening of the package is monitored as well. So that for example, the moment of consumption uh, is, is seen to be either before or after the, the um, uh, expiry date, for example. Um, And with this tracking, they can uh, prevent um, uh, parallel trade, counterfeiting uh, and, and, Pharmaceuticals are the most interesting field for this type of tracking because the value and the sensitivity of the product are significantly higher than any other industry. And therefore, the price can be a bit higher of the service of tracking them.
1: Are these uh, tags going into every box? So it goes into the secondary packaging for the medicine. Is it going into every single one or or is it sort of going into one in a, in a case of of this? Are you sampling or are you, you basically part of the serialization of every single thing?
0: If the, um, if the medicine is of high enough value, then the intention is to track every, every single one of them. Um, But there's plenty of medicines that are not, high enough value and there they would be applied to a carton or a, a larger box and then the individual packages would potentially use another technology to be tracked um, in that way having some sort of serialization
1: okay and then um how do you know whether the box has been opened how does the sensor figure that out
0: in this specific device we have uh placed a a light sensor, as well as a uh, an, an LED, uh, so a light, mm-hmm. and uh, we can see the color change if the box is opened of the light that's emitted.
1: That's re- that's uh, that's really cool. So it's tamper detection in a way, or opening detection, without having to break a a fuse or anything. So. Much easier to manage. You just stick one of these things in the in the cart, and you're and you're good to go. Exactly. Very good. Okay. So, uh, and and where is that? How how far have you got in this uh, in this deployment? Uh, you, you've obviously got a product uh, developed, or it looks like you've got a product developed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is it uh, is it deployed yet?
0: So the uh, current state is that we are producing the first uh, few hundred pieces now, mm-hmm. and uh, going into trials with some of the the, the top uh, five largest pharmaceutical companies in the world um, that are actually using it in their, uh, their, their real-life shipments.
1: Well, my, my employer, my, for my day job, we got some experience with tagging individual vaccine vials. But the challenge that we had was, you know, it's a complex supply chain and, um, uh, you know, we, we are our Bluetooth devices talk to Bluetooth infrastructure. And so when you kind of get out into clinics and that sort of thing, hard to know whether that infrastructure is going to be there. You don't have that problem. Basically, anywhere, presumably anywhere there's a cellular service, you can uh, communicate Um is do you do you have like worldwide coverage?
0: Um, not global, so not all uh, countries have an active network for this specific low power technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are selecting specific routes. So, for example, our customer wants to send things to uh, Turkey or India from Germany, or so. Mm-hmm. Then we we make sure that the connectivity we have is enabled on those networks um <clears throat> for example right now large parts of, of of Africa are not um uh don't have such networks available and so we have to wait until it's deployed in those countries before we uh, we can actually track shipments to those places
1: so it seems like uh MBIOT is not globally deployed but there are there's enough countries where it is where this is viable
0: exactly and uh, we do foresee that that it will grow the network especially as these types of applications uh, become uh, more widely adopted
1: and um, can you tell us a bit more about MBIOT? Um, you know, how is that different from regular cellular communications? How does it differentiate?
0: So the frequency that is used, so um, the the specific uh, way in which the radio modulates uh, to send signals over the antenna at a certain frequency is different than um, with... Uh, um, the type of LTE or 4G 5g that you would use with your cellular phone um, mm-hmm. also the signals go one way so there's traffic basically going from the device to the cell tower and then it can send something back but it cannot do it at the same time whereas your phone typically has two antennas that can send and receive at the same time okay uh, which which all decreases the cost and the complexity of the the modules. As well as the complexity of communication and the energy consumption.
1: And then, you know, what is the cost of the communications? Like, it's not like where I have to buy a SIM uh, for my phone, and you know, that has a, has a bunch of setup costs and that sort of thing. How do you, how do you typically pay for that LTEM or NB IoT uh, connection? And how in turn do you pass that on to uh, the, the, the drug company or whoever, you know, the shipper? Do they, do they does it, is it just a pass-through or what, how is it built?
0: The uh, way in which it's charged is since it's a, a device that is used once, um, the cost is a lifetime cost. So uh, you basically pay a certain fee one time on the moment that it's activated, and uh after a certain duration it will be automatically deactivated again so there's no setup cost there's no billing based differences based on where it goes or how much how much data is consumed um because it's so limited in its scope and then we actually charge the customer for uh in a similar way for just using the the device uh once um, and it's, it's included, the connectivity is included in there. Uh, and then we, we charge for additional services on top of the, uh, simply getting the data from the device, uh, for insights, um, uh, gaining more control over the supply chain, um, and, and things like support <clears throat> to resolve certain issues.
1: And what can you tell us about how much all of this costs? Uh, maybe not be as, uh, as specific as you can or be as
0: vague as you must be. So you have to think uh, in the range of, for now, $20 uh, to $30, uh, dollars, depending on whether you get uh, the, the, the smaller or the larger mm-hmm. label.
1: So that's how much the label costs and then um, and then what about the service costs what's what's at the ballpark for that
0: so the labels include a, a basic service so connectivity access to data et cetera uh, within that twenty dollar mark um, and then all the other services on top they become relatively cheaper the more devices that 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 are purchased because these are uh in a sense uh costs that uh, do not marginally increase in the same way uh, or do not scale in cost uh, the num- the larger the number of devices that are purchased very good
1: super interesting area. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that I should have asked you about that typically people do ask about those labels? Oh, I know there was one thing I did want to ask. What do you do about aeroplanes? Because aeroplanes, they they don't like it when you start operating radios on aeroplanes. And that's always one of the things that Bluetooth communities are is very proud of is you can use Bluetooth on a a plugin, but As we all know, they don't like you using your cellular radios on a plane. That's why they're always reminding us when we're taking off. But um, I remember going to a meeting of the Bluetooth special interest group where we had the guy who actually rode on the planes and did the first tests with Bluetooth and uh, uh, convinced the FAA that the the jets were not going to fly out of the sky when, when the Bluetooth signals were used. But Um, How do you overcome that aversion to non-Bluetooth radios on planes?
0: So we're not allowed to transmit on the plane, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And so the device needs to go into an airplane mode. And uh, um, we can either, in a very simple way, uh, use the motion sensor uh, to detect whether it's moving. So whenever it's moving... Uh, it doesn't transmit and whenever it's in a plane it is always slightly moving um, or moving a lot. So that's one technique that costs the least that only requires to use the motion sensor which is in there anyway. Um, But it's also possible to expand that um, with other uh, inputs. So whether it be a barometer sensor that detects changes in pressure or Using the radio module to detect uh, changes in signal strength and things like that, you can apply some intelligence to, um, yeah, make use of the device when it's not flying. Um, uh, But we prefer to stick to the just the motion sensor approach.
1: Who do you have to convince that this is? uh um, meets the the regulations. Is there kind of some kind of FAA uh, certification, or is it down to the airline or the uh, the, the transportation company you're using? Uh, how have you had to approach that?
0: So the first thing that you need to do is, uh, or we needed to do, was get a DO 160G certification, um, and with that, we have to convince every single. Um, Airline or airline group individually of uh, being allowed to to transport these products on their on their planes, so it's quite a lengthy process. Um, which, of course, in the case of Bluetooth, you don't have to go through any of that.
1: And how, how how's that going? How far have you got through with, with that negotiation with all of the
0: the uh, uh, airlines? So um ourselves uh we have a good relationship with DHL as well as uh, Lufthansa so these are uh airlines that we do multiple different types of projects with uh but for the pharmaceutical industry we actually work very closely with a company called Controlant and uh they have been shipping loggers um for many years so they have all the connections to the airlines and uh they are doing the certification process with the airlines for the the uh, smaller pharmaceutical uh, label and uh we hope to be able to leverage that in the future for uh, for our other products as well that's very cool good
1: anything else we should cover on the on the the label front
0: yeah it's not related to cellular but um there's a yeah a, a trend i would say or a a future technology there's there's two things um one is uh i think we were both at a, at an event recently about printed electronics um, Yes. and uh i tech flick, right exactly yeah i i really foresee the 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 industry moving towards additive manufacturing so i also have here like these uh, examples that I was given of temperature sensors, uh, different types of, of modules that can be printed. Um, in the future, we, we really want to print all of the solutions that we have. Um, and, um, right now we're still using what you call subtractive technology. Um, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, yeah, in a way, a waste of materials, harder to recycle. And also actually costlier at volume. Um, So that's an area that we're uh, working with manufacturers on to make conversions for.
1: And could you just explain that term additive? What what does that mean?
0: Additive means that you have a base layer that you use, let's say plastic, uh, for uh, the flexible electronics. And then you print like... um, it can be like a printing press, like the way that a book is printed, for example. Uh, the uh, Using a stencil, you can print the actual copper layer or uh, another type of metal that's conductive that connects the different chips, basically, with the intelligence together uh, in order for it to become a functioning device. Uh, whereas subtractive is where you have a base layer of, of copper and you actually use lasers or another type of uh, technology to cut away parts of the copper in order to create uh, kind of the pathways that are conductive and then the pathways that are not conductive in order to make the the electronics function.
1: It's that etching process where you're cutting away. Obviously, you have a huge amount of waste, which uh, not good for the environment and, and not good for cost either. Uh, it's actually something that we, we've been looking at for our own products to... Uh, reduce the cost, and uh, um, you know, we're looking at uh, essentially printing antennas on cardboard boxes, sticking chips on to, uh, in order to um, reduce layers, reduce costs, make it more sustainable, uh, lower the carbon footprint. Um, and so how is the business going with regards to the solar-powered devices, that core... Use case. I think a lot of them were going on shipping containers, and I, I think this is one of the big trends that's going to start growing explosively. Is not just tracking the container, but tracking what's in the container. That's the thing that I'm interested in. But if you're going to track what's in the container, then you need to have the container online, and so having some solar powered. Uh, Collectivity is really uh, handy. How would you say the state of the nation or the state of the world is with with regards to that use
0: case? We are using these solar power devices, indeed, to track two types of, or three types of containers. We have containers with seeds inside. We have containers uh, that go on airplanes, so air freight containers, and then shipping containers. And um, the units are both able to communicate their own position, temperature, motion information, as well as uh, listen for signals from Bluetooth transmitters and for their information as well. So you can have temperature information from different, and and motion and and location information from different packages or um, goods within the larger shipping or air freight or seed container um, that... uh, uh, that way having a more density of information uh, but also more, more value uh, because sometimes you need to know what's going on inside the container uh, in order to uh, ensure that the, the goods are, are properly transported uh, in a safe and, and uh, at the right temperature uh, uh, approach. I
1: think that's really cool. It's a very uh, um, exciting uh, development seeing that start to scale
0: I, uh, yeah, would, would like to close off with just one thought. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, we've been working on these, uh, Bluetooth, uh, uh, tags that are, are active, um, that, um, I think the, the main thought around them is that there is just such a global network of mobile phones, um, that are in continuously everywhere that I see the future being that one day all mobile phones will be gateways for all types of, uh, beacons. Um, because why install another SIM card, uh, in, in, in the, in the, the each individual device and, uh, waste costs, um, waste energy. Uh, and, and, and so, uh i'm sure you're on a similar vision there and uh um yeah would love to to see where that where that goes
1: no I, I agree with your um forecast of the of the trend we are starting to use more and more mobile devices in stores and warehouses to uh almost crowdsource the um the signals that we get from, uh, from from tags. And there's a lot of benefits to having a mobile reader rather than fixed infrastructure. It tends to be lower cost. You also tend to avoid kind of the, the black spots because you're moving around and uh, um, constantly uh, getting different angles for the radio waves to uh, uh, permeate and, and get to the cloud. So I, I agree. So why is it that interesting shape? The the, the thing that you showed me
0: well uh, we're actually using these for a very specific use case um, that will soon become public so I'm not allowed to give away the the business case yet which is a good thing in a way Um, but um, yeah it's quite large because it needs to be visible Uh, um, but soon maybe on the next uh, conversation I'll be able to share more on the actual use case of those uh, but very it's good. not track, it's not
1: tracky, okay. So, for those of those people that uh, are listening, which I think a lot of people do, then this is a uh, is it hexagonal or it's it's a multi sided uh, it's uh, how many sides is that? Uh, it's uh, so
0: it's says x, x, six,
1: six, six. It's yeah, yeah, side, uh, uh, some kind of uh, printed circuit board thing. Very intriguing, very colorful. Uh, as are you. Um, so uh, again, I always enjoy our conversations, Ollie. Thanks for coming on the show, and we'll move on to the next, the next partner.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So, Ollie, uh, you've been on the show before. Last time I asked you about music, uh, we agreed we would give music a rest, and you are uh, one of the most globe-trotting people I know. You're supposedly based in Holland. But you're not in Holland at the way. Where are you?
0: I'm uh, in Singapore.
1: Okay. How do you like it? My wife was actually just in Singapore. She's now hiking the Himalayas. Uh, Last time I saw her, she was in uh, Kathmandu. So, But she showed some amazing pictures of Singapore. How do you like it?
0: Uh, Singapore is beautiful. So it's it's really green. Um, It's uh, all very modern and well-kept. I actually went to uh, the uh, Singapore City Gallery yesterday where they lay out all the plans for the future and where it came from. And it's just amazing to see how the city has evolved and how much investment they put in making sure that things run smoothly because it's one of the most densely populated places on the world. Uh, And it just all operates so efficiently. And uh, it's safe, uh, uh, amazing food, so it's it's uh, it's it's really a nice place.
1: Yeah, I think I mean the original development was driven by the East India Company. So not a not a great uh, history from that perspective, but um, the uh, the result is this amazing kind of safety net for people that want to peek into Asia. And uh, I I love the Singapore sling and Raffles, and then uh, you walk down the road and there's like very small. Authentic uh, uh, Malaysian restaurants and uh, all sorts of things. Amazing. So, what what we agreed, we I would ask you uh, was I don't know if you remember, but uh, what your top three places that you visited, rather than top three songs, top three places. So, yeah, what 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 are they?
0: Uh, I think number one is Rio de Janeiro. Oh,
1: huh. never been. Would love to go.
0: I love Rio. It's um, like developed in some parts <clears throat> but at the same time quite chaotic in other parts um so it has a, a, an amazing balance in that sense and just a very vibrant culture and people are very engaged with each other um anyone could pass as brazilian there's no uh r- like you cannot look brazilian or not brazilian uh so <clears throat> everyone's welcome it's it's uh Culturally my favorite uh, place.
1: So very kind of uh, melting pot, accepting. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. What's number two? Uh,
0: number two is Mexico City. Ah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I was very surprised by Mexico City. So I think just after I um, saw you uh, earlier this year, I, uh, in, in San Diego, I, I, I went to Mexico City uh cuz it was kind of the closest i had ever been uh to to mexico and uh yeah it was was beautiful it was surprising how safe and how um how calm certain areas of the city are um yeah. where the image that's portrayed sometimes externally about it is that it's quite a hectic place over overly packed uh but it just yeah. has so many of these nice neighborhoods um and a beautiful art scene Uh, a lot of creatives from the u.s actually moved down to mexico city to live there
1: cheaper to live i assume it's the cost of living is a bit lower
0: way lower yeah so it's it really um it's a bit of a slower life in a way as well um and if you want to get access to The 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 hustle and bustle of of the city you can you can as well. So it's again, I I think there's something to do with my upbringing. I mean, I I grew up in Dar Salaam in Tanzania, which is also just like a yeah, (laughs) a wild place. Yeah, Um, and uh, sometimes can be quite uh, uh, chaotic um, and unorganized, which I think adds really an edge to a place. But then, funnily enough, I would say my third. Would be Singapore now um okay. which is totally totally the opposite there's there's no chaos here
1: no no, no uh no throwing your chewing gum on the uh, pavement uh definitely don't want to be caught smuggling in any illicit substances um, no I, I I once wrote a screenplay for a movie which has never been made um really. Which is set has a, has a, has a scene in Singapore where uh, one of these high tech executives is set up by his boss and uh, is caught with marijuana in his um, suitcase when he's going through customs, and it's basically a way of finishing him off. So there, I've given away a key plot point for outrageous <laughs> options, um, which uh, has not been made yet. But if anyone uh, wants to make it, then I'm uh, open to. It. I would
0: love to read it. Uh, I'll
1: be up there with with uh, Beacon Technologies, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beacon System, which has been turned into a book, but probably will never be turned into a movie. Um, well, three amazing cities. Uh, I have been to two of them. My My memories of Mexico City were the food was incredible. It was pretty cosmopolitan. And I remember seeing a bunch of guys spinning around a pole They were spinning around a pole. They were elevated in the air, and there uh, was—it's weird how you get these images. uh, But it was some kind of uh, celebration. But uh, great cities. Great to hear some of the fruits of the globetrotting that you do, Ollie. Um, Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thanks for having me again.
1: Thank you so much for staying with us until the end of another episode of Mr. Beacon. We really appreciate your listening. I get a huge amount of pleasure out of bumping into people who've listened to the podcast, and uh, occasionally getting your notes. So please do give us feedback. Let us know if there's any subjects you want us to cover. Uh, and until next time, thanks again. And of course, thanks to Aaron Hammock, our editor, and Brooke Ellsworth who uh, makes sure that uh, the episode gets, uh, gets published. See you next time. Be safe.